0: This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Project Spurs Director of Digital Content, Joe Garcia. In this episode, Joe and I will discuss the Spurs one game after the All-Star break, some injury updates for the team, and we'll look at the bottom four teams as the season does come to an end here in the final 22 games of the season. Joe, how are you doing? Doing good. I've been
0: busy, man. We went ahead and recorded a Spurs Rewind and got that uh, kind of uh, ready to pre-produce. And now I'm up here doing a double doity, uh, uh, joining you for the Spurs
1: Cast. So let's do this. All right, man. So yeah, like I said, shouldn't be too long of an episode. So uh, what's going on here is is uh, the last time I recorded Spurs Cast was about eight days ago because the team was not the All Star break. They did uh, return on Thursday evening. Uh, what they lost to the to the Dallas Mavericks uh, in Dallas and. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and go right into that. That just that one game that's happened, Joe, since I last recorded. So the Spurs uh, did lose to Dallas on the road. Uh, they lost by 26 points. It was like between like eight to 12 points for most of the night for about three quarters. Then within within three minutes of that fourth quarter, just three minutes, the Mavericks go from like plus nine to plus 19. They're up by 19 points, and then gets into the 20s, and we know it's over by then. Uh, you know, Luka Doncic uh, is a star for Dallas with 28 points. Kyrie Irving ends up with 23 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. comes off the bench to, to score 22 points. Uh, Dallas outscored San Antonio from the three-point line by 36 points. They outscored him from the free throw line by 12 points. Uh, as far as for the Spurs, who played really well for them, again, again, you really want to more so look at the first three quarters because that's when it was more competitive. Uh, Keldon Johnson was, was their best player on the night with 22 points, 14 in the paint, very aggressive, attacking the Mavericks' defense. Uh, he ends up with eight rebounds. Seven assists but six turnovers is the one um you know the one negative there for Kelton. Charles Bassey had a good night off the bench with 16 points, uh, seven rebounds and two assists. And then Malachi Branham, the rookie, again continues to have really good games in February. Uh, he ends up with 23 points on the 23 points on the night, 12 in the paint, uh, two rebounds. And kind of like Kelton, Good ball distribution, five assists, but he's also turning it over, four turnovers on the night. And so, you know, this was a game that we kind of expected the Spurs to lose. Dallas was favored by 14. They ended up winning by 26. Again, no, no big surprise there. Uh, as far as the Spurs' standings, you know, they really haven't changed because it's only been one game. We just, we do want to note, though, that they're, um, on now a 15-game losing streak, which is also you know continued to be a franchise record. They're 0-7 on the rodeo road trip with two games at Utah left, and still have the second worst uh, um, record in, in in the league right now. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on that returning game uh, uh, at Dallas on Thursday?
0: Oh, spec's more of the same. You know, I mean, really, if the Spurs are behind by the first quarter, I mean, you already know what's about to happen. They just like you were. I looked at a tweet that you had put up earlier in the week. And mm-hmm. you were giving some some pretty decent information because it was an article from the um, I guess from the NBA.com, And it was saying mm-hmm. where, you know, like, I guess the <clears throat> why do you say it? It was the the progression of the teams. You know, they were yeah. going ahead and le- putting out the latest information that they had through from teams one through 30. And they had the Spurs dead last. and And that was very telling because they're like. 0 and forty-two when they've like or oh forty, I believe, is when they fell behind by double digits this season. They haven't not been able to win, you know, and this is indicative of of a team that's still in flux and young and missing some 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 key pieces here. Yep. And then you look and see, you know, like you said, you know, you're looking at one Keldon Johnson and you know, his high turnover uh, uh let's say percentage is a little bit jarring now. Spurs fans are starting to turn on him a little bit. Um It is what it is. He can't do everything on his own. And he's trying to will the team to victory. But unfortunately, with the personnel that's on court on the court right now, it's kind of hard for him to, you know, not have things go south when you're trying to do everything all at once. And then the rookie, too, you know, you got, uh, well, the young guy here in Malachi Branham, Mm -hmm. his utilization, uh, his he has a, a high percentage of minutes. You know, in this game, it's 35 minutes, you know, but Mm -hmm. he was productive with 23 points. So you see some things that you can get excited for. But the one thing that I was questioning, Paul, when I was looking at this injury report is (laughs) questionable. Jeremy Sohan, I'm like, how questionable can he be? He's he was playing at the NBA All-Star weekend, enjoying the festivities over there with the Rising Stars uh, game with Jordan Rising Stars. Just Coach Pop was doing him a solid and giving him some time to rest, you know, so yeah, but I mean, questionable. Okay, come on.
1: Come on, Pop. <laughs> yeah, so no, and he's still questionable for a Saturday at Utah. I just got the injury report a few oh, hours man. ago. Maybe it's the dunk, so- it was the dunk that did it, you know, maybe he tweaked yeah. his back or something, you know. <laughs> So I wanted to say one thing that you mentioned there, and you were actually right. It was, they were 0-42 going into the All-Star break uh, w- when they're down by double digits. And now that they lost, you know, against Dallas, they're 0-43. So one thing I do want to note though, is that let's just say they never win a game this season when they're down by double digits. It's not going to be a record, unfortunately. Uh, there, there, was a, there was another team that, it was it was during a lockout season that, that it was the Clippers. There we go. I think it was yeah. the 96 season where the Clippers went like 0-58 or 0-36, something like that. And they, and they, uh, you know, they have the record for like not winning a game when down by double digits. So the Spurs won't be the first team to to do that if that ends up happening but yeah Joe like you're, you're completely right it's just you know with, with just the personnel not being out there they're always going to be at a disadvantage and like I said you know the Mavs were favored by 14 and that's kind of what we expected was yeah, for one that of the game. things
0: I was going to talk about real quick though is mm-hmm. with the personnel that's out there on the court the thing is that the Spurs are still a little bit competitive you know even if it's like yeah. the first or second quarter and they can be competitive throughout the game you know but unfortunately they just don't have The talent, they don't have that personnel on on the court that can actually win them the games. And I think Spurs fans are really frustrated with this season since it is a rebuilding season. The Spurs went ahead and traded two of their veteran players in Jakob Portal and Josh Richardson, which you knew instantly was going to make the team worse. But this is going to be the normal moving forward because, again, it's just the personnel that's on the court. Getting a top draft pick will help, but is it going to translate into a quick turnaround? Possibly not. You're still a couple of seasons away from, you know, even talking play-in. So be patient, Spurs fans. Uh, their their time is coming, but it, there's still going to be a lot of growing pains.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of the of the graph for like for quarters one to three. They're always like kind of right there, and then all of a sudden it just shoots up to the twenties, like for. For most of the night, you know, most games for for the team, especially during this losing streak, it's been it's been pretty brutal for San Antonio. Yeah. All right, so Joe, we did we do get some injury news, so let's go ahead and and, and dive into this topic. And so uh, Devin Vassell could be returning here pretty soon. So according to Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News, he tweeted recently that uh, the Spurs are targeting a soft date of March second, which is the first day they come back to San Antonio against the Indiana Pacers for Devin to return. According to Coach Pop, so again, it's not set in stone that that's when Devin's coming back, but we are getting closer to that mark. And again, look at March second as that date. Uh, most likely. And then there's some, uh, some injury news on Cam Birch, who was part of the Yaka Pertle trade. You know, he hasn't played with the San Antonio. And so before the uh, Dallas game, the Spurs put their injury report out and and they, they put that Birch is now out with right knee. Uh, let me see if I say this right. Chondromalacia, chondromalacia. Wow. So what that is, is, you know, just do a quick Google search. I'm not a you know medical doctor or anything, but it just basically says that it's it's a breakdown of, of the cartilage on the underside of the kneecap. So again, it's, it's a right knee issue for him. And so, Uh, You know, uh, Jeff McDonald also reported that uh, the Spurs um – didn't set a return date for or for um for Birch and they were made aware of his injury so again it's not it's not like the situation with Golden State and Portland where, where Golden State kind of wasn't aware of that injury with Gary Payton the second the spurs were made aware by Toronto that hey this guy has this, this injury but they still they still said yes to the trade so I'm even wondering too if um he even plays at, at, at all this season considering there's only 22 games. what are your thoughts on on one devin um you know probably coming back next week and then for for Birch probably being out I would say maybe the, the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, this has actually been a hot topic. We've talked about it on the Spurs Rewind and in my own personal podcast as well. And I really believe that what Coach Pop was saying is that, you know, he expected him to come back sometime after the NBA All-Star break, and I still fully, you know, believe that that will happen as you were stating the first home game here that they have coming up was it I believe it's March the 2nd. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I would expect him to return in one of these home games that you know, the early on home games that the Spurs have with the AT&T Center. Of course, he's going to be on a minutes restriction. And even, mm-hmm. you know, with him coming back, it's good for the overall morale of of said player, you know, Devin Vassell, and also the team as, as, as a whole, because one thing that I'm afraid of is bad habits, you know, and if you start getting into these long, lengthy losing streaks, 15 games, like Coach Pop had talked about, you know, calling out these these young players, it's basically telling them that they were just playing sloppy, lazy basketball. You don't want these uh, things to, to continue, you know, the losing to continue the way that it has been. I think Coach Pop is fine with the losing as long as the effort's there, and it has not been there. And maybe with the return of one Devin Vassell and getting that team, you know, starting lineup back to normal – maybe that might help a little bit and make them a little bit more competitive uh, throughout the game. Because, I mean, let's face it, when teams are dropping 140 plus, 130 plus, you need your personnel, your your two best players out on the court. And them. for going back to that NBA.com article um, in the latest standings, they were showing the utilization rate of both, you know, Keldon Johnson and also Devin Bissell. They've been I mean, their usage rate has gone up quite a bit from the prior seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're what like they were like third in usage rate uh, for this coming season. So it's like, man, that's that's a big turnaround. So it just shows you how heavily the Spurs depend on Keldon and also Devin Vassell. So hopefully, these you know Devin, if he comes back, will make the team a little bit more competitive
1: yeah and like what you said there i I totally agree with you as far as like when when he comes back he's not going to be like fully back like you know i I definitely see the spurs being super cautious with him like you said minutes restriction for sure the first you know few games that he comes back i even think like back to back he's probably not going to play in those they won't let him if there's maybe like not more than a, than a, than a, than a, than a day off of rest. Again, not, they probably will play him. So I think it'll be a, a very gradual transition uh, for him to come back. It won't be like full strength um, um, Devin there. But again, like you said, you know, at, at some point they got to get some wins. They can't just end the year, you know, 0 and whatever. Like what would be like 0 and 37 at this point? If they end yeah. of the year like that, come on, you can't expect that. So they got yeah. to get some wins at some points. And, and like one thing that I noticed is what you just said there, the fact that like, yes, they can lose games like we expect, but normally they're really competitive. They, they only lose by like 10, 12 points here and there. But lately, what I, what I even tweeted this out yesterday during the game when Dallas went up by 20 is that in this losing – in this rodeo road trip, they're – Four their seven games have been blowouts, like twenty plus points, and then again, that's not that's not the norm for this Spurs team. We know that they lose a lot this year, but it's usually competitive losses. It's not as bad. It's like you know, it's not it's not like blowouts like what we saw last at twenty six point. But that's been happening frequently now in this road trip, and I think mean, that's what that's what Coach Pop's talking about. He doesn't want to see that where like it's just like you know, they they, they fight for three quarters and the fourth yeah. quarter. Oh, you know, we don't have it. Sorry, like you know, they' just can't touch their talent. That becomes bad habits. You're right. I mean, I talked about last week with Josh, Paredes, uh, about how it's almost like a track meet. You know, just the, the teams are just scoring like nonstop. It's, it's hard to, to keep up because they're just like you know even just yesterday against dallas like multiple times dallas just got to the rim like nobody's right like right there contesting or wide open threes and so i think you're, you're correct there where, where you do want to see them at least even they're going to lose yes they're gonna lose, but more more competitive losses. You don't wanna see them getting blown out by twenty six
0: yeah, I, I think a lot of the losing too has to do with their floor spacing as well. If you look to mm-hmm. see what they do from a defensive perspective, they're crowding the lanes. You know, they're not coming out in the shooting lanes, they're not coming out to guard the three, they're letting players shoot at will, you know, uncontested threes. They're knocking the the thing is, the sad thing is that a lot of these other teams that they're going up against, they have, you know, pretty decent three-point shooters, and they're knocking down those wide-open threes, yep. and the Spurs just are in flux. You know, there's no communication out there on the court. Them, They're just, you know, basically looks like they're just trying to play man-to-man, and they're not really uh, fully playing that zone the way it needs to be played. And unfortunately, you know, when you're you have players that aren't really playing at that high level, paying attention to detail, you get these bad habits, you know, where they're putting their heads down, the body language isn't there, no communication. They're letting, uh, you know, plays develop and they're not calling out for help. And they get caught, so, you know, just getting get sucked in into the paint and other teams are just popping out. It's easy to score on this Spurs team. You suck the defense in, you just pop it out to the open player and there they go and, you know, knock down an open jumper, mid-range jumper. You know, or they're going ahead and knocking down three-pointers, or they have, you know, somebody with the miss assignment, easy dunk, easy, you know, uh, Mm backdoor cut. I mean, it's not hard to figure this team out. That's the the thing that Coach Pop, I think, is frustrated with is the consistency. So if the team becomes a little bit more consistent, we won't see these blowout losses. Just, you know, if you lose by 10 or 11, that's fine. But getting blown out by 20-plus, Every single night, there's there's a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, that becomes yeah, that's a, That's a huge problem. Again, we'll see if that they can try to fix that because that has been happening multiple times now on this rodeo road trip, uh, from what we've seen. All right, so now, Joe, our last topic here is I kind of just want to dive into the, uh, the the final teams, you know, the final stretch run, should I say? And so I really want to look at the at, at four teams in particular, the bottom four teams uh, to, expected to finish out at the, at the season in the bottom four, and that's the Rockets who are right now 30th, um, Spurs who are 29th, the Pistons who are 28th, and the Charlotte Hornets who are 27th. And so, you know, what is the difference? Of course, we know we've already known. You know what we've been saying all, all season is that if you finish with the bottom three record, you have the best chance of landing the number one pick, 14% chance, lottery odds. But however, there is some incentive to also finishing with the worst record because, as far as your worst case scenario, so if you're thirtieth, like Houston right now, and you finish uh, worst case scenario, you know what happens if you don't get number one? If you end up, what's the worst possible pick you could get? They could end up getting fifth, and again, that's that's the worst case scenario. Right now, the Spurs, their worst worst case scenario could be the sixth pick, and then the Pistons, it could end up being the seventh pick, Uh, and then the Hornets, who are with the fourth worst record, we even know that that their their lottery odds at number one decrease. They only have a twelve and a half percent chance at landing number one. So when we look at at the games left for the for each team, um, the Rockets have 24 games left, the Spurs have 22, uh, the Pistons have 22, and the Hornets have 22. When I look at Tankathon's strength of schedule, I wanted to see you know who has the easiest schedule to end the year and who has the most difficult. And so again, this could work out if, if you have the if you have the most difficult because you're playing all the hard teams. And so um you know there's a better chance for you to end up with the worst record. So if we look at their ranking as far as um, schedule breakdown, uh, strength of schedule should I say, the Spurs have the most challenging schedule out of these four teams. They have they have the 14th uh, uh, most difficult schedule. Then it's the Rockets who have the 17th most difficult schedule. Then the Hornets and Pistons have to have two of the easier schedules to finish the year. Um so so that's an incentive for San Antonio, and Houston to get the worst record. As far as where do their win projections look like when we use different models, like just their own team record, the uh, uh, cleaning the glasses um, expectations of a wins record, and then 538's Raptor and ELO models, Houston's projected to win between like 18 and 20 games. The Spurs are projected to win between 18 and 20 games as well. Uh, and then the the Pistons and the Hornets should win more games than San Antonio and, and Houston. So, again, I think that fight for 30th ends up coming down to San Antonio and Houston. And then lastly, uh, some of these teams can't control their own destiny because they're going to play each other. And so the Houston does have four games left against the bottom four teams. They're going to play the Spurs twice, the Pistons once, and the, and the Hornets once. Uh, the Spurs only get Houston twice out of these four teams. The Pistons are going to uh, face uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, Toronto, and Houston. And then uh, lastly... Uh, the the uh, Hornets are going to play uh, Detroit twice and Houston twice. So again, I, I think that it comes down between San Antonio and Houston for that bottom that worst record. What do you think, Joe? What are your thoughts out of these four teams? The way it's looking
0: right now, and I have to agree with that. I think it's going to be between the rock. It's going to be between the Rockets and the Spurs for that number one overall pick. You know, mm-hmm. um, as far as the worst record in the NBA. Now, you know, anything can happen once you're mm-hmm. expected to land anywhere between one through four. You know, or one through five. The lottery balls can fall in your favor and Mm -hmm. the hornets or the pistons could sneak in and get that number one spot but respectively when you're looking to see what the you know strength of schedule is uh you know this the the rockets are obviously tanking so they're in no big rush to win and that's the thing with the spurs is that if the spurs they play the rockets two more times here Mm -hmm. if the rockets are just going to tank the spurs are going to have to work for that win or, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and not really, you know, win the games, you know, because they haven't been very competitive. And if the Rockets are like, hey, we're not as, as competitive, but we're still better than you, they can win these last two games and kind of help the Spurs a little bit. So it's um, the battle for for the worst record in the, the NBA. And it's it just goes to show you, when we're just talking about this right now, this is the state that you know, San Antonio uh, Spurs fans are in right now. They're not even excited about. Let's look and see what's going to happen with the play-in. You know, those are those days are long gone, and they're not even concerned about the playoffs. They're not concerned about anything else other than, are this is the team going to get that number one spot? And if they get the number one spot, they're. The city is going to erupt like if they won the finals or something, you know, everybody's (laughs) just like, we need a top pick. It's going to help everything. It's going to be the the magic coin, you know, that's going to miraculously turn around the the Spurs, you know, future. And it it, it might not happen that way, but it's just funny to see the state of where things are currently. I mean, the Spurs, yes, they
1: unfortunately are this bad, Paul. That we have to talk about this now. <laughs> I know. Looking competitively at like how to get the worst record is, <laughs> is one, one thing that I had to research that I've never had to do ever, ever yep. since I covered the Spurs. And it reminds me of a tweet that just like how, just how the expectations have changed, just flip flop compared to when we were used to like Spurs competitive basketball. Is I got a tweet recently where, where they were like zero seven on the on the rodeo road trip, and they're like, and somebody like, uh, tweeted me to like remember the days when like uh, one loss on the rodeo road trip was like the worst thing. It was like not a good. It was like a failure of a road trip. Now like if they can get one win, that's gonna be like a good thing like I, I, they might go zero nine on this road trip I just complete turnaround of the expectations but yeah I mean I just wanted to go through it just <laughs> to show that you know I think that again I just wanted to analyze like you know who who's going to end up with the worst record most likely and again it comes down to that fight between the Spurs and Rockets and I do want to note that Houston has the most games left which means they can you know basically lose the most like as far as like they can see what the other teams are doing and kind of have an idea do we need to lose those final two games or you know what do we need to do to make sure San Antonio doesn't pass us or I'm sure their head coach
0: pulls. if that's the case he's going to start resting players (laughs) you know load management. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, man, it's just wild. And that's also one thing, too, that I want to mention about Devin coming back. Like, I think when Devin comes back, the team's going to get a little bit better. And that's where, like, you know, we might start seeing reactions from the fans. Like, uh-oh, like, are they going to start winning games and ruin their chance, like, at the of the worst record? So, well, it's just Devin wild. if Devin comes
0: back and they start winning, everybody's going to start getting their T-shirts, you know, from that phrase he coined earlier in the season, we hooping. You know? <laughs> yes. And uh, when man, he, still, yeah. he said that, Paul, those team was 5-2, and two. I knew it was going to happen. And I kind of was like, oh, man, (laughs) don't say that right now, because these can change real quick. And sure enough, they did. So I don't think we're going to be hooping. I think they're going to be like we tanking.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's just kind of that's yeah. you're right, Joe. That's just the state of where today is the fact that I'm looking like having to analyze how do the Spurs end up with the worst record? What's the best way for them to do that?
0: But again, it's just right. What did you say you had to? go so many times you had to go ahead and run yes your computer now that i do want to i do want to
1: comment on so tonight i struck i struck gold here so what it happened was normally it takes me about seven to like 11 tries to get the Spurs yeah. the number one pick. I, sw- I promise you tonight, the first try I did, I got them. It's at first San Antonio, try. number one pick. So the first try. So again, maybe that, that's some, some luck for them. Again, I'll try next week and see, see what it says. So, I mean, that's just where things are today. It's just like you're trying to get them with the worst record and, and trying to, to get yeah. just increase their lottery odds as best as possible.
0: The next thing we're going to wind up doing is taking bets over here in the Project Spurs slack. Okay. They got one. They get the one or the fourth pick. Who's it going to be? You know, we're going to start taking bets to see who they're going to pick at 1 through 4 or something. I mean, it, it we got to have fun with it somehow, man. It it yeah. is worth-
1: it is it's it is, yeah you're, you're right it is what it is and so i know i know i know like just my 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 stat side of me it's gonna i'm gonna be creating like a tracker and like probably looking at charlotte houston <laughs> rockets like have all these stats just looking keeping eye every night of, of how these teams are finishing but that's just where the spurs are at this point of the season all right the, all right joe thanks for joining me here on this episode of the spurs cast and thank you to all project spurs um, um spurs cast listeners for for listening to this episode i want to say thank you to also to joe for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day